welcome to Learn to Adult, the podcast guiding you to adulting better. My name is Abby, and today I'm here with friend of the pod, Tim Sampson. Hey, Tim. Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm just trying to get Crooked Media really on my ass. <laughs> Maybe you can be on that wheel they spin at the end of uh, John Lovett's podcast next week. Ooh. You can replace Bill O'Reilly. I can only really hope to replace Bill I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't make me sit through like a long intro because I'm just over here giggling. <laughs> I am probably the least adult guest you've ever had on this adulting podcast, so. Oh, Yeah. 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 Oh, that's and that's fine by me. That's <laughs> I I commit to the pretending to be an adult uh-huh. idea. So this is perfect. This is perfect and really, really and on brand for me. Yeah. No, I listened to I listened to a couple episodes because that's what you say when you go on a friend's podcast. You're like, yeah, listen to a couple episodes. So oh my god, you listen to my podcast. I'm really glad we hit the point where we're like just. I, I always want to be the kind of friends where we only catch up by doing podcasts. So this is great. So okay. So first of all, I will say that Tim is one of my. If not the longest running friend, I'm running friend. <laughs> Good job, buddy. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we get picked up for another season oh, or two. Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We're getting a little close on the, what, 13 years? Oh, my God. We've been friends forever. Oh, God. It has yeah. been a long time. Yes. Uh, so we've been friends since senior year in high school. Since senior year in high school. We first met on a field not more than uh, a mile from here. Yep. Guys, I'm a townie. I brought Tim on here to, well, first of all, to catch up because this is the only way we speak anymore on podcasts. Because that's how we've become. Yeah. Uh, but also because he is going to talk to us about changing careers. Because that is a very adult thing to do. That's a very adult thing to do. Yes. Uh, especially if you've screwed up the first couple of years of being an adult by choosing the wrong career. Yes. Or an unsatisfying career. And then you need to pull the ripcord and find a new one. Yes. That's um, that's a very real situation. Because a lot of the times, as I think a lot of people we graduated with realized that the four years of the awesome job that they thought they were going to have in college, mm-hmm. it's not that job. It'll yeah. never be that job, and the people who taught it don't know that it's not that job. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, I would I would say so. Having graduated with a print journalism degree in the year 2008, wah, which wah. you might remember, there was a little bit of a financial crash, a lot of newspapers had to lay oh. people off. It was it was not the it was not as rosy as when I was writing for a campus newspaper that was incredibly well funded and uh, indifferent to the pressures of the market. Oh God, that that would have been. I feel like that would have been tough where you're shaking the shaking the hand and like, you know, Tim Sampson, here's a degree. Please don't make me go. I'm not ready. No, no, no. The tougher part was uh, my first job I could land out of college was an unpaid internship at the newspaper in Peoria, Illinois, uh, which was a great paper, by the way. I have no ill will toward them, although the most awkward thing was sitting there as the intern as you watch other full-time staffers put all their belongings into a box and then complain to the management, why aren't you firing the interns? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. yeah early 2009 not a pretty time for the economy but oh uh, that that sounds that sounds terrifying i've seen so many people carted out with boxes by security okay so uh, advice number one make sure you only bring enough of your personal goods that can fit into a box, box. <laughs> a small print box that has handles because apparently that's the only kind of box that they ship you out in when you get fired i mean they don't want you taking too much stuff if the box is too big you're tempted to steal batteries or what have you which it's not uh, batteries <laughs> here's an adult tip if you have a office supply closet with lots of batteries why ever pay for batteries again that's what i think i mean but yeah. you got to be smart about it you can't take all the batteries at once. No, no, no. But slowly how, but surely. How many batteries are you going through at home? Just do you take home a couple of packets a week? Well, I mean, technically, I'm using the AAAs for my noise-canceling headphones, which I'm using at the office, so... Well, then it's for work. We'll circle back around. Okay, so changing careers. Mm-hmm. 
what would you do if you thought like you're sitting in your your little cubicle or whatever the lab anything and you're thinking i'm going to change jobs what what would you do to like start jump starting like that train of thought because it's a scary thought to be like i think it's like moving houses you're like i'm going to move you're like no you're going to move careers which seems scary so, so like, what active steps should you take? Yeah, like, or? when you've decided to, to, to pull that ripcord. I was going to say, because I don't know how much of a conscious decision it was. It just sort of happened over a long period of time. Like, I guess I should right. start off by saying, like, my experience with this was I was, uh, like I said, I was in print journalism for mm-hmm. a while, and I had a couple of jobs. And then my last one, I was working as a state house reporter in Missouri, not mm-hmm. particularly enjoying that job. Right. And then just over time, I found myself being uh, called toward uh, comedy writing, which is something I'd always been interested in but um but uh had never thought to pursue as a career because it did not seem very practical as a career growing up so um but i think so it definitely got to the point where i was just i i think i realized this wasn't the job for me i I remember it was more like sitting at home after work like staring at the walls of my apartment thinking like this is not a very satisfying way to spend my days to sit, just I, go to this job I don't like and come back here. Am I supposed to not enjoy what I'm doing this much? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, just, uh, and, and just thinking like, you know, there's, you know, you've got one life, you've got one career. Like, do you want to be this miserable at? So like, I think if you start finding yourself like you, you, you got to really assess like why you're unhappy. I think is the first thing. Like, right. is it because you're not making enough money? Cause I, there's obviously like, there are people who are more motivated by money and just right. want to be able to to have nice things and to be able to enjoy that off time because of that, which uh, I don't know a whole lot about that. For me, it was more about just like creative satisfaction and everything. And I think the first thing I found myself doing without even thinking of it as as uh, as prep for switching careers is I found myself just kind of researching the field of comedy writing right. in, in a rather informal way. Like the thing that I kept finding myself doing was going off on lunch breaks and just like listening to, this was like the beginning of like the comedy podcasting boom. Like I just, had just happened to hear like Mark Maron and stuff for the first time and Chris Harbeck and I started listening to these podcasts and, and on there you heard a lot of interviews with comedians kind of talking about that path and uh, you, you began to understand I began to understand kind of like what they had to go through. Mm-hmm. I started reading a lot of books, like oral histories of like uh, like The Simpsons and Saturday Night Live, just seeing like, you know, what what is the experience of being a comedy writer? And at the time, I thought this was just, I was just pursuing this as an interest. But really what I was doing was um, was was researching the field that I wanted to get into. Yeah. And I think that's super important because um, I think there's a tendency when you're um, – uh, when you're thinking about switching careers, like there's always a tendency to think of like a grass is always greener where like you're mm-hmm. looking at the other career you want to get into and um, you're just seeing all the rosy positive aspects. But I think yeah. you need to do a lot of research to make sure that like, you know, is this going to is this going to make you happier? Because I don't think any career is going to solve all your problems. You're never no. going to have. I, I talk about this with people in comedy all the time. There's never, there's maybe, there's, there's always like high points. There's always thing accomplishments and things you achieve that feel really great. Uh, but there's never going to be a moment where you feel like you've arrived and yeah. all your problems are taken care of. So, so make sure when you're going into it, like you really research and find out all the, you know, what it really takes, like what sort of, um, you know, what sort of, uh, extra certifications are going to take, mm-hmm. what sort of, um, uh, what sort of income are you going to be making first off when you get into this new field? Uh, you know, what are the real challenges and setbacks and difficulties? And so I feel like that was the first thing I did was just do all this, you know, informal research of comedy writing and realize that it was going to be a very hard uproad battle. It was going to be uh, very unstable. There was going to be a lot of drawbacks, but just 
I came to the conclusion that I would much rather be doing that with all the setbacks rather than doing what I was doing. So. Right. And it, yeah. And then I, I definitely agree that you need to, to see what the whole picture is with a job because I mean, there, if, if I thought about what being in a comedy writer would be, I'd be like, Oh my God, you're just sitting around writing jokes. Everything's great. Everything's fantastic. And you're never sad ever. And there's nothing, there's no work ever. Cause you're just doing what you're good at. And that's what everyone thinks it is. And, uh, it, it's definitely not like, uh, cause one of, one of the, uh, main institutions I've been affiliated with is I've, I've written for the onion and stuff like that. And I remember, it's always funny because people think that, like, at The Onion, that it's always going to be just people just hanging around in beanbag chairs, Zany. tossing jokes, yeah. throwing back beers and stuff like that. It's just, it's it's an open plane office. A lot of people just quietly with noise-canceling headphones on, yeah. tapping away on computers. Like, writing is very hard and very difficult. Oh, yeah. And, and then, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you have to workshop stuff. Because the first iteration of your joke is usually not the right one. Oh, there's nothing more demoralizing than having to sit through like they do very exhaustive uh rewrite meetings where uh, on Thursday afternoons where it's just like you sit there and then they go through uh all the other writers go through line by line just oh. just questioning, kicking the tires and everything. And it's it's good. It's an yeah. important part of the process because it makes comedy stronger to oh. to edit and revise, but um it's yeah, it's demoralizing, and then like you, you leave that afternoon meeting, and you're like, you you want to start on your second draft, but you're like, I just I actually just want to go home and am drink I, a little bit. Am I <laughs> even good at what I'm doing anymore? Yeah, it's yeah. the it's the if I can throw a hard work ism in that is you don't want to get precious about things yeah exactly yeah. and that's a i mean yeah it's a bit of a cliche in comedy and harvard everyone says it but um yeah that's very true oh, yeah uh, and then i mean that but that's and what you're describing is very true with almost any job mm -hmm. if you decide to change and you know what you're doing mm -hmm. i mean to go back to what you originally said that yeah you're going to need to figure out what you're going to need to do to change careers and mm -hmm. You know, you went into a branch of yeah. kind of what you were doing. You were doing writing, and then you're doing a different version. Different kind of writing, of writing but um, it's definitely had to start way over. Way different kind of at writing. At the bottom level, level yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, there's, like, I work in a lab, but there's the difference between me working in my lab versus working in a CSI lab. So there would be a lot more work I would need to do to make mm -hmm. that jump. Yeah. And I assume, I don't know this personally, but I assume that working in a CSI kind of lab, not all, uh, not all the TV has it cranked up to be. Enhance! Yeah, I'm going to guess that. I was also thinking about, when I was thinking about this, because I was trying to think about other careers, because mm -hmm. comedy feels like a super specific career. But just in terms of, I feel like one of the careers that people often daydream about is like being a chef or a restaurateur. I feel like that's a, a very I appealing... I do that every time I watch Chopped. It's incredibly appealing because of what you see on TV. But right. like in, uh, uh, in Anthony Bourdain's book, I remember reading, like he talked about like, he was listing like the worst kind of like, uh, uh, worst kind of like restaurant owners to work for. And he's like, yeah. there's like, there's like the middle-aged guy who's like trying to have a second career, wants to own a restaurant. It's all going to be like having your friends over and comping meals for them. And like people are going to be flowing. Yeah. And it's going to be in. Then it ends up being really shitty and hard. And that was like the experience I had too. Because after I switched careers, I needed like just whatever part-time work I could find to keep me supported when I was living in Austin. Uh, I got a job as a barista, which I thought this will be a not intolerable uh, way to like to 
pay the bills while I pursue right. comedy. Uh, guess what? It made me hate the smell of coffee, a oh. thing that I love. I'm drinking coffee right now. And like it just made me hate that. And I was like, wow, I'm not good at this. This is way harder than you think it is because you just go to a coffee shop and you're like, I love this place. This is fantastic to mm-hmm. be in. And then you realize they're doing a whole bunch of stuff that you're not really paying attention to when they're just having to constantly yeah. wipe down things and do inventory and all this stuff. Yeah. The not fun part of it. It's like, it's all steaming coffee and having a good time. No, yeah. So, yeah, because, and I think just because making a career change is such a huge thing, make sure you, you realistically know what you're getting into, with whatever the field is. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, and, and just to take, completely crank this up to 11, I've decided I'm going to become an astronaut because <laughs> I want to go to the moon. Well, A, no one's going to the moon anymore because well, no one's going anywhere anymore. But the, the chances of you going anywhere, even if you become an astronaut and there's a space program going anywhere, versus that you'd be qualified for it. I mean, you'd have to know those realities. You'd have to know that you were in like the 0.001% of your class that you'd be doing it. You'd have to be physically fit. And most astronauts need to have super PhDs because you need to be able to do all of the things. Yeah, you've got to have PhDs. You have to be like short enough to like fit into the space station. Like there's no yeah. tall astronauts. Yeah, like, there's no tall astronauts. There's like this image I think of like the six foot three like all-American astronaut. But those ships yeah. are very small. So yeah, I mean you would need to know... The realistic thing. And I would say, um, depending on the access of the job that you're looking at, is to just call people. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, what's this like? And then be like, well, this is what you're going to be doing because most people won't sugarcoat it for you. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to go about it because um, I know a lot of other like comedians and comedy writers will be very honest with their friends about uh, the struggles and tribulations when, when, the, when the friend comes up and is like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, yeah, it'd be great, but... yeah it's going to suck and you'll spend 10 years and maybe still not make it or have a full time Also, job. do you think you just want to do comedy writing because you think you're funny because you're the funny one in your group? Yeah. But you're not funny. Yeah. 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 So, so okay. So we do our research. We've decided, we've decided we're going to do it. We've done our research. We're totally on board for it. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing would be, especially if you're deep enough into a career, like mm-hmm. if you had gotten a lot farther in, like say the, just the newspaper industry was amazing and you've decided you're still moving to comedy even though you're like a byline on, I don't know, the New York Times. I don't mm-hmm. know what that, yeah, whatever. And you're like, I'm going to make a change. You'd not be moving, it would not be a lateral move financially mm-hmm. for you. So, I mean, that would be, there's a lot of sacrifices that come with that when you're mm-hmm. moving to what would probably be the bottom tier of whatever career you're about to move into. Yeah, exactly. Even though I wasn't very far along in journalism, like I'd, it still was big financial setback because no one wants to pay you to do comedy at first like right. it takes a long time to get to that level would you so. like some exposure i can pay you an exposure lots of exposure <laughs> being paid for so um yeah just be wary of that and have a plan for that like yeah. financially there's going to be a huge step down probably in most cases you're not going to be able to make a lateral move because you have to like pay your dues and you have to right. come up in whatever field you're you're choosing to come up in even if that's like something even if you're switching careers to like uh, get into dentistry or something like right. you, you have to go back to school which being a student is right. going to be a loss of income there and a step down and everything so um so i would say try to have some savings i did not because uh i need to it listen was 2008 to, i need to <laughs> well this was 2000, 2012 by this oh point, i guess that's true like, yeah, yeah, yeah so things have gotten better but uh, I still saw no value in saving my money. Um, so, like, I ended up having to, like like I said, just find whatever part-time or freelance work I could find. Basically, right. I did not have 
uh, too much of a plan, only because, like, by the time I finally consciously decided that I was going to, um, this, this is the part, this is, these are the things you shouldn't do when you're changing career. By the time I decided that I wanted to leave that job, the job also decided that it was time for me to leave, because <laughs> I was sort of slacking off and not caring. You had already which, checked out. Which I would definitely, uh, I would, I would advise against, like, even if you're very unsatisfied in your current job. You know, you, there's there's no need to, to, to put black marks against you by checking out, in, yeah. especially in the glorious fashion that I completely checked out of that job. <laughs> yeah, don't do not do that. Yeah, those uh, those lunch breaks I was taking to go read, like, uh, re- read oral histories of SNL and stuff, those were, like, stretching to, like, two hours. Oh, like, boy. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was not good. I was, Where's Tim at? Oh, he's reading that SNL book again. Well, the, luckily the company I was working for was a mess so yeah. it was well yeah a... then and that's that's where i'll horn in some of my dad's advice is never quit a job without another job yeah yeah that's that's always that keeps me from like that's leaving a... in some sort of glorious fashion of being like you know what i'm gonna quit this job i don't need this job it's just yeah I yeah yeah i don't think you ever want to do that i wouldn't say not quit a job without another job but definitely don't quit a job without a, without sort a of plan, plan. So without a plan if that involves having a bunch of savings that's great for me it was like i lost that job so i went and uh uh, li- uh, luckily, I was month to month on my lease because I knew I was ready to leave that place. So I went and lived on my parents' ca- uh, slept at my parents' house for like two months while yeah. I figured out what I was gonna do. Uh, which, yeah, definitely, especially if you're young, like I don't think there's as much of a stigma if you need to like go home for a little no, bit it's, and like, it's, live with parents. If anyone like, says it's a stigma, it's just because they're being a dick. Yeah, they're long and short of it. But so. no, yeah, I mean that's what your parents are there for. Yeah. I, Exactly. I feel like I would be fine with even if my like thirty three year old son eventually comes to me and is like, Mom, I'm changing careers, I have nowhere to live. It's like fine, you can stay here, but get out by October. Yeah, like, exactly. Like <laughs> you're not gonna stay here. Yeah, I try not to like you know, that's the boundary thing you have to work out with your parents. Like you right. want to do a whole episode but, on you know, living with your parents. Oh god, yes. Um, <laughs> with going back and realizing that your parents still think you're thirteen. Yeah, so yeah. We're out all night. Oh yeah, that was um and it was like oh and it was twenty twelve, so it was during an election year, which is never uh, never an easy time all in right. the Samson household. Uh, yeah, yeah, don't don't uh don't move back into your home during an election year, guys. Yeah, another another not a Jason tip. This is really going far afield. But so no, but I had to like go live there for a few months, figure out my plan. I eventually decided I was going to go to Austin because I was familiar with the city right. and knew that it had kind of a, a good kind of entry level comedy scene. Like mm-hmm. it's not a lot of comedy industry down there, but it's like a good place to like do improv and sketch and things like that. And it was a good place to, to get involved. So uh, I went down there, just crashed on a friend's couch and then mm-hmm. immediately started like looking for whatever work I could find, which like I said, I barista for a while. I luckily was able to find some freelance like journalism work, uh, uh, writing about like high school sports which uh not the most not the most glamorous thing in the world but luckily because i don't care about sports they would just give me the assignments that this uh it it's really terrible that in the 2010s like i got i got to cover all the girls high school sports because like the ones who were really serious about sport like the reporters who were really serious about sports didn't want to cover the girl sports i was like whatever well that's a whole different discussion that's a whole different discussion that's a whole different discussion but yes and i mean i remember you giving me those calls you're like what are you doing well i'm at the girls basketball game covering that you're doing what yeah uh, there's a lot of time to kill when you're covering a sports game but yeah yeah. so i was doing that which was uh again these were the things i was trying to get away from but like i was trying to get away from journalism i also like wrote for another website for a while like doing like uh, like tech and internet reporting i i know way more about bitcoin than i want to know (laughs) but um but so these were just things that I, i i knew i had to do to keep myself you know financially afloat while i was pursuing this other dream i couldn't just like stop everything thing like i had to so yeah definitely have a plan to compensate for the finances and be willing to like like i said i had to take a huge step down from like having my own apartment and making a good stable income to sleeping on a couch um 
and 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 uh barely barely having any money at all um yeah, and then but also be prepared for uh, when you switch careers. There's gonna be a step down in prestige too. Yeah. I think because uh, if you've gotten anywhere, like it'll be it'll be a challenge. You don't think of it at the time, but it'll be a challenge to go back to being entry level in whatever career you're in, especially right. like uh, especially if you're like a little bit older and you're like yep. doing it. In in all the colleagues at your same level are like if you're like in your 30s and all the colleagues are like in your 20s or something like that. Oh like, yeah. Like uh, I mean, I went back to I went back to college. Mm-hmm. In my late 20s. Yeah. I mean, I'm still doing it. Luckily, I'm taking some more online. But I was doing some stuff on campus. And I just felt... I mean, I was I was 28, 29. I just felt like the oldest person in the room. And mm-hmm. I can only imagine what that feels like if you're someone in your late 30s, 40s, 50s on up. Like, mm-hmm. the, the difference. Because to me, being 31, seeing some kids on campus, y'all seem like just like embryos. Like, just like the smallest people. Like, I don't even believe you're in college. Oh yeah, and then you know, but the difference—the long, the older you get, the younger they all look. And I guess my advice, as someone who started going back to college at like an older age—I'm using air quotes—older age, you mm. know, in my late twenties. Yeah. If you're going back in your forties or whatever, like that's great. Do that. You just have to be prepared to be the oldest person in the room. Sometimes you out age your teachers, especially mm. TAs. And you know, but you also get a good look at it. I will say, if you're thinking about going back to college, especially like. You know, like grad school, I know that's this is an age mm-hmm. to go back to grad school. It's actually different seeing school from this angle because you, you go back through, like, in, when you're 19, you're college. Yeah, you're yeah. in college and everything. It's like I was answering questions and doing all the homework and realizing how simple college can be. Yeah, I, I always feel like I would do better with, like, a college education now. Like, oh, yeah. get more out of it than I would because I think when you're going back older, you're, like, you're actively trying to learn something rather than just, well, this is what I'm supposed to do after high school. So. Also, when you go back as an older as an older folk <laughs> over the age of 25 is just older folk in college but mm-hmm. you're usually paying for it yourself yeah and you are literally seeing dollar sign like if you skip a class you know exactly how much that class mm-hmm. skipping this class is costing you this is how much education you're not missing mm-hmm. so it's but yeah you're right it is a very conscious like thing your 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 prestige the the wage you're about to start making you know or mm-hmm. not making rather We'll, we'll skip on to like, well, you're going to do all that, but what if you've gotten to a point in your career where you've also, you are also like, um, romantically attached to somebody or oh. you've started producing smaller somebodies. Well, I'm lucky. Luckily I had none of that. Like when I quit my, or when I was asked to leave my job, all I had was a, was a, was a Volkswagen. And a <laughs> and pocket nothing. full of dreams. Pocket full of dreams. Um, but no, but I think that is, uh, it's super important to have that support there because not long after I made the decision, uh, to, to change careers is when I met, uh, my, my now wife, Beth, who you may know from Once Upon a Time, the, yeah. the Once Plug. Upon a Time podcast that's taking over the world. Uh, but I, I met her, I, gosh, I was probably really only like two months into like contributing headlines for the onion and like doing improv and stuff. So I just barely started. And, um, and it was very, I'm very glad I, I had her support. Cause like when we went on our first date like our first date was just drinks because like there was no way i was going to be able to afford two <laughs> meals for two adult people right uh at a restaurant with with a not embarrassing low tip like no thank you um <laughs> so like but luckily she you know was very understanding of where i was mm-hmm. just in this career and has always been just super supportive and i i think that would be a lot it would have been a lot harder for me to like stick it out and get to the point now where i'm because now i'm at the point where i'm i'm earning my keep full-time with 
comedy, uh, uh, comedy and teaching comedy and stuff like that. And it's um, uh, really satisfying. But I don't know if I would have been able to get there if, let's say, I'd gotten into this relationship and then like been quietly discouraged yeah. or gotten some passive aggression. So I think it's really important if you are in a relationship like and you have children. Like first of all, like be aware that that does put an extra layer on there. Like you know, like I said, you need to have a financial plan for when you make these changes. If you're a parent, certainly yeah. uh, that responsibility is more. I don't understand it because all I have is cats. I don't have children. So. That's very similar. Just imagine that feeding your cats costs a lot more. And, the government, and you also have to like drop them off somewhere when you go to work. Yeah, and the government takes them away if you don't feed them. Like, yeah, the government's kind of stuck with about feeding control them. control too. So. Yeah, but that's only if they get angry that you haven't been feeding them. Yeah. So feed yeah. your cats, you'll be fine. But yeah, you're right. That You're in a relationship and it is good to be supportive. And obviously you've got... The rock, the rockiest of rocks, because uh-huh. like Beth is fantastic. Yeah, and she is. I'm and, pretty fond of her. And sometimes, and I mean, and sometimes it might not even be a non-supportive thing. It's just a the reality mm-hmm. situation where if you're like, okay, I think we can do all those things. If they aren't comfortable with what's going to happen, mm-hmm. or they don't like your plan, or they start poking holes in your plan, it's not a not supportive thing. It's it's a reality thing because sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's just not going to happen where you're at. Yeah, or sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's not going to happen. But, like, I think it's just best to, like, really, you know, because if you provided if you've done the research and you've, like, really considered this from all angles, like, make them part of that conversation. Oh, absolutely. I would say. And then just, you know, try to find a way to make it work. So, So, like, I I got to, I had the luxury of changing careers in a very dramatic fashion of getting fired, going to live on a couch um you know and just like throwing myself into comedy and stuff like that I really got... between jobs right now and i'm thinking about looking at comedy writing oh god yeah no but so uh but if you're if you're like in a higher up position and stuff like that there needs to be definitely more communication and you might have to do it like you might have to do it in stages you might have to right. you know you, like for instance i know there are people in comedy who like manage to like hold down full-time jobs and have families right. but then like there's they have to work out like you know they have to make sure that their wife's on board with him like doing improv shows and stand-up shows in the evenings which right. like keeps them tired for all time so like in it's totally possible to do in a relationship but it's like definitely harder when oh, you yeah. have people depending on you and i'm sure that probably applies to other fields that oh are... and, and that would apply to like going back to school like if you yeah. were gonna work full-time but take night classes mm-hmm. you still have to be present in a relationship mm-hmm. they're not gonna be there for you know obviously if you're doing full-time job you're not gonna do full-time school yeah. So it's, you know, we're, how long are you going to be able to do this and still come home to a person? Because, mm-hmm. you know, those relationships also take cultivating. So, I mean, if you're going to change careers that they definitely, I, I like what you said, that they need to be part of the conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, you can't just show up to your husband with like a 15 page PowerPoint presentation about the life change you're all about to make mm-hmm. tomorrow with no planning. Yeah. Well, because I feel like that's something that happens in TV shows like way more often right. where like the husband or the, the wife just like up and quits their job and then it's like, all right, I quit. I'm going to do this now. And yep. then the next episode they're doing it and then like three episodes down the line, they're fine. And, like, yeah. And they've gotten their dream job and everything's yeah. great. Which it does not happen that way. No, all. there's a lot of dues paying and you've got to like, especially, especially in, <laughs> I'll, I'll harp on this one because, you know. As a mother, <laughs> as oh, a mother, God. yeah, yeah. That's my coffee. <laughs> but you know, but as a parent and as someone in a in a you know in a relationship, when we own a house and we have cars that we're making payments on, that you do, you do need to be prepared for a couple of months. You know, <laughs> either if you're going to quit your job or something like that, you need to be prepared for whatever you're about to do. I mean, I think that that's going to be just be the overarching lesson of if you're going to change careers, be prepared mm-hmm. as be prepared, much as be possible. Be realistic for yep. sure. 
So, and then, and that's not a, it's, it's not a great time as an adult, which is what sucks about being an adult, is that you can't make a lot of wild gambits mm-hmm. just randomly. Mm-hmm. Your wild gambits need to be thought out and calculated and it doesn't seem as fun and it's definitely not as sexy or romantic. Yeah. But it will keep you from living in a box or ending up divorced or not seeing your kids every week. Exactly. And it's not like, and there's a difference between like, you know, changing careers in a very responsible, well thought out way and versus it being a wild gambit. Because right. I think you, you can change careers. And if you're really unhappy in your work or like not making enough money in your job and would, I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm not very religious or anything. So I feel like this is the one life you get and like, you know, oh, I agree. why be, you know, if, if. It's a very entitled, like, you know, first world problem thing. But, like, if you, if you can be happier, if you can be more satisfied, you definitely, you know, take the chance. But just, like, it's not easy and it it, and it won't be just given to you. Oh, yeah. And, I've, I mean, I've, I've been a big proponent of that uh, this year in particular. I've mm-hmm. come to the realization that, you know, our life is short. Yeah. You know, we literally anything could happen at any moment. <laughs> So, I mean, just enjoy, enjoy really, what you're doing. Really? So. Person who's in her early 30s, you're just having these realizations? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it happens, right? Yeah. I turned 30 earlier this year, too. Yeah. It's... Welcome to, welcome to hell. Yeah. Welcome to hell, soldier. Yeah. No, it's, no, it's just definitely like, you know, I have a kid and I'm in a, I've been in the same, uh, not the same job, but the same business, same company for about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always time to do stuff. There's always time to, I don't know. Start a podcast on your off time, you know, like mm-hmm. take a class or two, do stuff like that because, you know, you always can. And I, I also think that you should try to do stuff when you want to do it. Don't, don't put stuff off because mm-hmm. then you never do it. Yeah. That's like the, the conversation about like taking a year off. You're like, I'm just going to take a year off between high school and college and then I'll eventually go to college. And mm-hmm. the statistics of people going back after their year off. Yeah. You lose momentum. That, that, I guess, would be my advice, is to make sure you're just doing it now, because if you think that you're too old to go to college right now, mm-hmm. you're going to be too old to go later. Yeah. Like, you're not getting it's younger. It's never not going to get later. So. <laughs> right. And it's not embarrassing. No one cares. Yeah, no, yeah, that's the thing. No one really cares, and I don't feel like we circle back around to that. Like, being the older student, like, yeah, sometimes you will stick out, but, like, I, I don't know. I teach classes where it's, like, a lot of, like, early 20-something, like, comedy students at Second City, yeah. and then we get the older students. The younger students don't really care. I think the last point that we had, and this was something that you brought up, is with a new new job comes, um, I believe the word you used was hustle. Oh, yeah. If I did say hustle. I love that you used pure hustle. That just made me... Did I say pure hustle? You uh, said pure hustle. Oh. Uh, the amount a lot of pure of, hustle. I, well, I, and I think that kind of goes with what you were talking about, like about the, the loss of momentum if you stop doing yes. something. You're, so when you, I think when you get into a new career, like you, you if you don't have that youthful like energy going forward like just coming out of high school just coming out of college kind of along with going back toward a a lower station or an entry-level position like i think people tend to forget like how hard you have to work at first to prove yourself like i had to really bust my ass at first to like get into journalism i had to just do a ton i was like constantly living at my college newspaper Mm -hmm. writing and writing there you know diving headfirst into internships and stuff like that and then, you know, I was able to get a little bit more comfortable as I got uh, got along. And then when I get back to comedy, it was kind of the same thing where I had to, like, be doing uh, – I had to be constantly taking, like, improv classes. I had to be – I was constantly jotting down headlines. Like, I was doing the freelance reporting and stuff kind of as my way to make income. But, like, right. in between that, like, I had gotten the headline contributor position at The Onion. And so I was just uh, constantly spending, like, 
all my free time is working on headlines, most of which I wouldn't even bother submitting, and then most of the ones I submitted would probably not even get taken. Like right. I was, I was making just a, a a nominal paycheck from the Onion at that point. It was just like, yeah, it was a sign of pride and it was exciting, but like I wasn't like, but that was I had to like spend so much time doing that and um and just doing like open mics and things like that. It just took a lot of a lot of a lot of more energy. And I think that's yeah. when you start a new career, you have to do that and whatever. Where you have like you have to throw yourself into schoolwork, you have to throw yourself into networking, which I know we've definitely talked about. On, which yeah, which sounds exhausting, but like you ha- especially when you're starting out, like, it's a lot of networking. It's a yes. lot of just trying to make those connections. I had to like, um, I mean, I was I you know, and now I'm trying to like transition from like I've been writing for the, like the Onion and digital stuff, uh, and now I'm trying to get into television. And it's a lot of like the same thing, just constantly having to like email and badger people and work on things and just. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that's something again to be prepared for because likely if you've got in if you've gotten any distance into a career, you've probably gotten comfortable to a certain degree, uh, and maybe you don't have to work as hard as you used to when you first got into it. Yeah. So be prepared to work hard again. Oh yeah, dang it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's like, and I know we talked to uh, one of the earlier podcasts this year. I talked to um, someone who does Twitch streaming. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's not like a, you just one day you have a million followers who are donating money to you. Mm-hmm. That's a, you have to start and you do this and then you slowly start cultivating the mm-hmm. the fan base and then you eventually have the nicer camera and this that, and the other thing. Like you just see, and I see it in podcasting where mm-hmm. people will be like, hi, I've just started to start a podcast. I don't want to spend more than $20 on all of my equipment. Mm-hmm. I also want to be the most downloaded in iTunes. How do I do that? It's like, mm-hmm. whoa, okay, let's walk it back a second. Like, there's there's work involved. And there's mm-hmm. there's always work involved. There's no easy ticket. And anyone that looks like they have an easy ticket did it on accident. Mm-hmm. There's so many, like, and YouTube's another one. You see people on YouTube and you're just like, oh, they got famous just, like, right out of the gate. They just made up one video. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, they no, actually no. have, like, four years of doing yeah. a bunch of nonsense beforehand. And then they just got picked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I see that all the time, too, especially because, like I said, I teach... Uh courses in uh uh the onion has a writing program through second city and so i teach courses there and i see the difference between the the students who i i think are definitely gonna make it or at least have some sort of future and who don't and it's it all comes down to the amount of work they're willing to put in like i've yeah. seen students who like you know the ba- the homework in that class is i think fairly easy it's just like 10 10 one-liner jokes and a very short story every yeah. week and i the the ones who like I understand, like, agonizing over it, but the people who can, like, oh, I only got, like, seven jokes this week. It's like, how could you not write three more yeah. three more sentences? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And then and there so, are the people yeah. who, like, write 40, and then they have to edit down to, like, the 10 they're going to write. Like, that's, you're going to go places. Exactly. It's just, like, if you've got a brain full of this stuff. Yeah. Versus just, like, trying really hard to reach for it. So, yeah, the, and, and that comes down with the... The pounding the pavement and, you know, mm. starting from the bottom. Cause pure hustle, you might pure say. Pure hustle. And, but that that goes back to the starting at the bottom and being okay with it. Because I think if you start down, like, at maybe, like, an internship level and you realize this one's a tough one. I've been in this position before where you're looking at the person above you or even the person two people above you and you're like, I'm so much smarter than these people. I could do this so much better. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of can't project that. <laughs> you're, you're not going to be able to, like, walk into a room and someone's going to, like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You are the greatest person at this nondescript job that I'm describing right now. Yeah. You need to be promoted to super, super supervisor manager. Like, mm-hmm. you are amazing. You're the yeah, next. That, yeah, that internal monologue you have in your head isn't going to translate unless you, yeah, unless you work hard enough to make it. Yeah, that's, you've, you've got to do, there's so much legwork that comes with stuff mm-hmm. like that. 
All right, guys, so that's this week's podcast. Tim, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at T, at T. Sampson. At uh, T. Sampson. I joined early. I didn't have to put any numbers or anything. So or any T. underscores. I'm a loser that has an underscore in mind. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. You can find me on Twitter at Learn to Adult. Uh, you can email me, learn to adult at gmail.com, or you can just go to the website proper, learn to adult.com. I will talk to you after this in four seconds, Tim, and everybody else, I will see you Friday or next week. Bye.